And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports on with you. I'll just be honest with you, it's Monday night. Uh, we've got to get this this uh, podcast out and rolling because the Blue Jackets start the first round of the playoffs on Tuesday, 3 p.m. Tampa Bay Lightning. You're all familiar with them. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And an old friend of the program. You would have met him last spring, 15 months ago now. Uh, from the Athletics Tampa Bay Bureau, Joe Smith is here. Joe, say hello. Hey, hello, everybody. It's good to see, good to talk to you guys. I felt like it's old times here. I know, <laughs> right? We should. It's a, it's a regular occurrence now. Blue Jackets Lightning. Uh, best of seven starts Tuesday. Lot to get here. A lot, lot to get to here. Blue Jackets, of course, with a rousing qualifying uh, round win over Toronto. In Game 5 on Sunday, they had Monday to sort of today to sort of catch their breath a little bit. They did practice. Uh, and then right back at it, the series starts on Tuesday. Um, so I got to – I, I want to go back to this and just relive, I guess, for Columbus, it's the glory. For, for Tampa, it's the nightmare. Um, I, let me just frame it this way, too. I always felt like the Blue Jackets, and I think Allison would agree – with me on this we've talked about it before they were better they were a better team than they showed last year and had more talent than their seeding and still however so i i guess what i'm saying is the upset of in that first round to people who followed columbus closely probably didn't feel quite as huge as it did to people outside columbus or around the league or weren't that familiar with their team the talent on that team but this was still undeniably a, a real shock to, to Tampa Bay. It's a President's Trophy team, an unbelievable regular season. Go back to that series last year and just sort of an overarching talk, if you would, Joe, about what it was like to see the Lightning get humbled like that, to play out of their elements so much, I think, as they did. Um, the first game one was a shocker. But just how real that was to see that team uh, be felled in the first round of the playoffs last year. Yeah, it was just really surreal uh, when I look back. I mean, you cover the team all season. They won 62 games. Uh, never really had to sweat too much. Adversity. And I was writing articles about comparing them to 95-96 Red Wings and how good they were. And just 
you know, it was one of those things that they didn't really have a meaningful game for such a long time that once you started to hit it, you could really tell who was more prepared and who had been in kind of those um, playoff style games for a month like Columbus had. But I think there was the building in Emily Arena, I remember to this day, was shocked after game one. Like it was just stunned silence because, you know, a 3 nothing lead, almost a 4-1 lead, 4 nothing lead in the first second first part of second period, and all of a sudden kind of the wheels fell off. So um, they weren't used to seeing the team kind of getting um, in a tough spot or have to find their way through something. And now, now you could look back, you know, as you mentioned, they weren't, Columbus wasn't, you know, quote unquote, as bad of a team as, you know, people made them out to be in terms of the biggest upset of all time. Um, they, they, the Lightning weren't like 20 points better than Columbus, you know, on the ice. Um, but obviously they executed better. It was a perfect storm. I think the Lightning put it in what happened in the, in the series where Columbus played really well. The Lightning had some injuries. They had one of their best players suspended with a questionable and ill-advised hit. Um, their goaltending wasn't quite as sharp as it been all season. And um, you got what you got, but they were also one of their, every other number one seed in the, in the league lost in the first round too, which people don't really bring up too much as well. Yeah. But it was, it was definitely surprised everybody and it, and it hit home, especially because the lightning of the team that have been so close for so long. And then all of a sudden you have one of your best shots from your best teams ever. And to go out within what, eight or nine days. Um, uh, it was definitely a, a humbling and somewhat embarrassing thing, I think, for a lot of the guys that they had to listen to it all summer on the golf courses and at home and wait all summer long and go to the awards with all these um, coronation for, for, for Kucherov and for uh, Vasilevsky and John Cooper was like, it was like a pity party there. People kind of said, hey, how are you holding up? What happened to you? Kind of what kind of thing. And it's such a weird, awkward situation to be there in this big moment. And all of a sudden you're coming off this, this loss. So, um, I can't believe it's been 15 months, though. It feels like it's been forever ago. Yeah, crazy. So the Blue Jackets are fighting through some injuries. Of course, Josh Anderson, who played such a huge role in their their first-round win last year over Tampa, is with them in Toronto. He's still skating with the Black Aces, so he's not a part of their regular lineup. That suggests to me that, that uh, he's not going to be ready in Game 1. But I'll also tell you this. We're not there in Toronto. We're not watching them practice. I, I'll do my level best. Allison will do her level best. I really don't expect to know before Josh Anderson plays. I don't think there's going to be any intelligence shared with that. Um, also, Elvis Leakins suffered an apparent injury uh, late at some point in game four. Uh, so there with, without him for now, John Tortorella called him out. So it is uh, Corpusalo and Kivleniex most likely in game one. Uh, Joe, tell us about, because you've got, you think those are big injuries, and they are, but what's going on with Tampa? Stamkos likely out, Hedman possibly out, other injuries. What's going on with the Lightning? They've got some, some big injuries at the top of the lineup. Yeah, like two of their franchise cornerstones. Uh, I'm not expecting them to be available for, for game one. Uh, on Tuesday, Stamkos, we thought he'd be, hopeful or positive, you know, possibly for game one a few weeks ago when he was practicing with the team in Toronto for the first time since his core surgery and his systems go. And then he had another, I don't know if it's a setback, but the core surgery, as you guys know, was just a complicated rehab. And um, so he kind of was not participating in the practices as much last week and didn't practice Friday. And we don't know what happens today. There's, there's no Intel, as you mentioned. So he's out indefinitely until he's not is the word that Cooper used um, the other day. So, I don't think I don't think series, but I don't think he's gonna be ready for game one at least. 
Um, Victor Hedman, you know, I think his absence would be looming even larger. Uh, we all watched the replays the other night. Uh, you know, turned his ankle, twisted his ankle, leg on that, uh, you know, back skating there. Uh, played us a million times in his life, and that one time, just bad luck, and he he slammed his stick against the boards four times on the way out. So you could tell emotional player, like just watching that made me feel like he thought something was, was, was badly wrong, but we should know more on Tuesday, um, an update on Victor Hedman, whether this is being gamesmanship that they don't really know, or that they don't want Columbus to know how bad it is. But um, hopefully we'll know more on Tuesday before game one of, of his prognosis. So um, unfortunately for lightning, there's the deepest team I've ever seen with them up front and on the blue line. And um, so uh It'll be a big loss, but they think they still have type of depth and talent that, you know, this will still be obviously a really good series no matter what. And Joe, there's another defenseman out as well. No, or am I, did I misremember that? No, Jan Rusa is also out. Um, he was the partner for Victor Hedman for most of the year. And he uh, took a shot from David Prasternak in Wednesday's uh, round robin in the third period, hasn't played since. So, and he was a guy who had a, had a, a leg slash foot injury um, in February, which is why he didn't play until um, the exhibition game and then the round robin. So um, he's a big So Lightning are down to seven defensemen now. Um, only brought nine to the hub. Um, so they're down to seven defensemen, which you'd like to see Zach Bogosian and uh, Braden Coburn playing uh, some, at least uh, on Tuesday. You can never have too many defensemen, as John Tortorella <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> uh, um, Porty mentioned, you know, and, and you talked about the impact of – the series and, and all of the the drama that the team had to put up with after we've talked about this before you and I wrote a little bit about part of this uh, before the Tampa Bay Columbus regular season game, but what changes even past that game here in Columbus, what changes resulted in Tampa Bay from what happened at the end of last season for them? Well, they, they, they need to take a long, hard look in how they were doing things. Um, they, they, they didn't make an overhaul or, changed their completely their, their system or style that's made them so successful over the years. But there were things that kind of were amplified um, by that series loss and by the season before, quite frankly, they last year, they weren't quite as good as what the record was. Vasilevsky made them look a lot better than they actually were too, with the way he played. Um, so the main focus was, you know, reducing scoring chances, especially ones that were in the slot area in front of the net, which they've done either top five or so now, I think in suppressing uh, some of those chances now, um, you know, Less the two on one Rodman rushes. They they really wanted to also be better, um, you know, support offensive and defensive in the zone with their forwards coming back. Um, a lot of stuff like that that they really wanted to, to create those better habits the course of the season. And I think as a result, I think like you mentioned in our story, and um, just a, a better overall structure and, and and team play in terms of the guys buying in all together. And um, they they don't have to play the the globetrotter type game, they, they can grind it out a little bit. They can use their force check. They don't, they can chip and chase if they have to, they don't really felt to carry it into the zone all the time. They have the personnel. Now they can do that and play different ways with Coleman and uh, Goudreau and obviously Pat Maroon and Mitchell Stevens. Who you'll see on Tuesday, uh, a rookie prospect who's their fourth line center. Um, Pilat is healthier as, as he's been in a couple of years. Uh, Braden points fast as I've ever seen on the ice. So, um, you, you know, I don't think you, they have, they're able to play a couple different kind of styles now. And they're also just kind of a little more tightened up um, in the way they play defensively, which has really helped Vasilevsky the second part of the season. Gotcha. And, and you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to, to touch on with this year. 
how Tampa Bay didn't have to play with that sense of urgency going into last year's playoffs. Do you think that the round robin, the the stakes are different, right? They're different than what Columbus just faced. Is is this a similar obstacle for Tampa Bay again? Or how do you think they're going to be prepared to go into now games that actually really, really matter versus games that matter. Yeah, I mean, I think as John Cooper said today, there's no replicating what Columbus just went through in a five-game series and an overtime and the emotions of blowing a three-goal lead with four minutes left and then all coming back with that the euphoria of winning a, uh, a game five um, to advance. Uh, there's a lot for a lot of the young players, I'm sure, and the veterans too. Um, so, but I think Lane did learn from last year in a, in a sense, they knew the playoffs were coming. Obviously this time they approached training camp in a certain way where they were doing a lot of game like situations for their couple scrimmages. Um, they treated the run Robin, I thought seriously as well. It, it wasn't a must win game, but they won the first two, two games and played a very physical style that, that, um, you know, they weren't just mailing again or trying to avoid things. Um, so being Boston and Washington in back-to-back games was I thought pretty impressive for that style, which they did it with a lot of pushback and, those two teams have tried to push them around for a couple of years. And this time lightning obviously did push back and, and respond and find a way to win. So, you know, I, to answer your question, I don't think it'll quite be the same as last year when they got it really lulled into a conference zone and, and saw that Vasilevsky masked a lot of their mistakes. And then they got into game one where they got a little too greedy and then Columbus made them pay. And that was part of the comeback or the, the sweep. I think the lightning are in a better position. They're not going to be quite as battle tested as Columbus is from what they did the last five days, but they're also a little fresher too. And, I think they got a little more depth. And, and so I think um, you don't know until game one goes, but um, that's something definitely to watch. They were one of two teams to vote against the 2014 format for that reason uh, of being teams from the round robin that wouldn't feel like they were in the same position um, as teams in the play-in series. So uh, I guess we'll find out more of that answer uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> and and you, you mentioned uh, earlier too, the, the impact on the, on the kind of the wrinkles in Tampa Bay's play now, the impact on Vasilevsky what do you see in him right now? Where do you think his game is? Obviously we don't know till we see, till we see the puck at the ice, but what's your read on him this season and also compared to last year's playoffs? Well, he, you know, he looks good. I, I think uh, last year, um, a 56 day percentage, um, you know, it wasn't all on him. The penalty kill wasn't good at all, but definitely wasn't what you expect from a guy like that. And, and he was the, one of the few guys after the season and the, and like the exit interview, go up to the media and say, Hey, I need to be better. I have to be better. Not just we as a group, uh, like personal accountability. And he took that personally from the, the day night he got the Vezina trophy, the most, you know, significant personal day of his life, you know, other than, you know, uh, getting medals in the world championships and such. He said, this doesn't mean anything without a Stanley cup. And I know he didn't have the best start to the season. He turned it around around December, work with a sports psychologist to kind of help him a little bit along the way. And, I uh, think he had 11 start winning streak. They were part of a 23 and two one. He one run from uh, December to February. He was a big part of. So, you know, they're not going to get what they want to go without him being on his A game. Um, and so I think um, it's so important, especially with Victor Hedman out, that he is playing that way. So I think you're going to see a better um, performance from him. And I think the team's got to do better in front of the net. Columbus did a great job last year of traffic and and getting bodies towards the net and, and bumping him a little bit. And he mentioned after the season, they did a really good job scouting a uh, subscribing report um, and do better. And so one thing I think you should guys watch too, is instead of before when there was traffic in front of the net, he tried to go low underneath the legs to try to look for seams. And now he's kind of using that six foot three or so frame to look up above through the traffic to kind of get, and it's kind of helped him a little bit too. So um, yeah, I, I think he'll be a lot better than he was last spring. You're listening to the athletics front end nationwide podcast. 
We'll take a break and be back with you on the other side. Support for Front and Nationwide is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. The battery will last 90 minutes. It's water-resistant. It illuminates the trimming area with an LED light, and it comes with a charging stand. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. That's THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off from free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, and use the code ATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. And now, a message from Indochino. All right, we are joined by Joe Smith of The Athletic Tampa Bay. Joe, uh, tell me what what this looks like without Hedman, what this looks like without Stamkos. There's plenty of firepower up front. How do they get around Hedman not being there? That's a hole that's impossible to fill. Who eats more minutes? Who moves up on, on that pair? And what, how, what do they look like back there? And if you can do it with the defense and the forwards, if you would. Yeah, the, on, on defense, you'll, you'll basically have Ryan McDonough um, and Eric Chernak, who the shutdown pair for the most part. They'll um, – probably get a lot of the minutes and, and McDonough played 26 other night um, in the last uh, round Robbie games Philly. And, and he, you know, he's used to playing number one role in New York has experience and the Paul did him good because he had a broken foot in uh, January, February time. And he probably took him a while, but he looks just by the way he's skating and, and playing like he's back to his old self. Um, so that's a good sign for him or them. Um, and the last side, you also have Mikhail Sergachev who's capable of playing 20 to 25, 26 minutes. And he really, grew into a two-way force this year, not just gifted um, guy that he can create offensively. On the, he's at the top spot of the power play now where Hedman was. He's there now. Um, really good, you know, physically in his own in his own end in battles. And I think he'll be a guy that can be leaned on in, in meteor matchups. Um, so I think they're going to be one taking a line and share the minutes. And you might be able to play guys like Bogosian and Coburn in the third pair of minutes versus um, the top two pairs with Shattenkirk and Sergachev and Chernak and, and McDonough. And up front, they had the top line was already without Stamkos. Uh, it was Andre Pilat and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, who they were terrific in the round robin exhibition uh, game. So they really locked in and playing well. And, and the second line, which Stamkos would be on if he was playing, was with Kelly and Kalord and now Tyler Johnson, who's been playing well too. He's a playoff type performer. And so um, that could be a good sign for them. And then I think they're a little more depth on the third and fourth lines with Goudreau and Coleman on the third line with Yanni Gordon in the middle, and then the fourth with uh, Maroon, uh, Mitchell Stevens, the rookie, and Paquette. So they're pretty thick from top to bottom, and they've got some depth in that position. So I think, um, you know, they certainly have enough guys they can score and, and, and play in the power play. So uh, I think the bigger need, I think, is getting a guy like Victor Hedman back, especially if you're going to go into a long series or a long playoff run. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at those forward lines and just hearing that you rattle off the names and the, Oh, right. That guy. Oh yeah. Oh, right. Oh my God. That guy too. There are guys on the fourth line that would be, I mean, would be on the second line in some situations or a third line guys that would certainly be on the second line with most teams. When you look at this blue jackets lineup, 
offensively, the forwards, because, you know, you listen to Sheldon Keefe talk after the series the other night. He was asked what, what surprised him about the Blue Jackets, and he, he said something that I think a lot of Blue Jackets fans were like, what? He said their forwards are a lot more skilled than we realized. And then I'm thinking, you know what, that's an NHL coach saying that. He's not – he knows what the hell he's talking about. Maybe we're selling these guys short. When you look at this Blue Jackets group of forwards, is there, is there some – anyone who gives you pause, anyone who gives you concern? I mean, there's some talent there, but, but who stands out as a guy that, that Tampa's going to be challenged to check? Well, I think a guy who's made a, a, you know, a big impression, of course, around the hockey world the last uh, few weeks is, is Dubois. Um, yeah. And I think the hat trick and the, the skill plays that he made it in tight and um, the confidence level he had. I know he had that kind of uh, public display with Tortorello and, and, and I know guys like Daniel Cavier had those back here in Tampa for, and speak to what that can do. But, you know, he's a guy and um, Liam um, is Foudy, right? That same, uh, yep. um, uh, he's, uh, you know, very dynamic skater um, to be dangerous that way. And, and not shy of the stage too. And I think, you know, he, John Cooper was asked today about that, um, you know, about that being a blue collar team, quote unquote, and he kind of bristled a bit in the sense that, yeah, they play a style. They limit you to three goals or less, and they play that really well, and they play structured, which is what he said. They've got some, you know, blue chip talent, as he, as he said, and you know, some guys both on the back end too with Horinsky and, and Jones. They are really kind of like forwards too that they really get up in the rush and, and create offensive chances. So, um, you know, they're not the, the Panarins or the Duchesnes and uh, the bigger name guys, but you know. They're they're certainly good enough to to beat Toronto and creates enough offense to do that. So um, it's kind of the, the, the sneaky guys, the ones that kind of get you the most in playoffs, uh, kind of the unsung guys. And so I think that's something that the Lightning will have to take a a good look at um, as the series goes on. Not that one guy scares the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, not suggesting that, but what do you think the re- the response or the feeling is with the Lightning that Josh Anderson? probably won't be there at the start, may not be there for the series. What's, what's the level of relief with that? Well, I mean, I don't think they'll say it, but, you know, no one, everybody who watched the series last year knew how much of a role he played in the fort check. You know, he had guys, you know, kind of peeking over their shoulder looking where this guy was coming. You know? um, and I think now with the team that they have built, they have enough guys that are able to kind of deliver their own punishment. Um, I think you're going to see a really relentless fort check with the Lightning in the series. I think they're going to try to, pounce on them because they know they have had the, the long series with Toronto um, and kind of say impose their will, but, you know, they use the speed, use the, the, the skill that they have and, you know, create a lot of chances in offensive zone. And I think, you know, as opposed to kind of being um, where Columbus kind of took it to Tampa in certain ways last year with Josh Anderson, a big part of that um, kind of go the other way around. So, and they have guys that will be able to respond and, you know, Goudreau and Coleman have already fought since they've been here and Maroon and Bogosian, if he's playing, he's a dynamic, he's a big guy on defense. So, um, I don't think that fear is going to be there necessarily um, in the series with, with Josh Anderson specifically, but um, I'm really excited to see kind of how the, the back and forth chess match with Cooper and Tortorello goes as this goes on. Joe, to that point, you know, and, and we know this, the guys are not necessarily always forthcoming, particularly before a, se- a series starts, but how personal is this for Tampa Bay, for the coaches, for the players, in your opinion? Yeah, and then obviously they're not going to say it. And, and I honestly do think that they're, they're not, taking this as a, a huge revenge game. Like they don't think they hate Columbus. I think they're more, you know, kind of redeeming themselves from what they saw that they didn't do last year. Um, it's always going to be with them. They're always going to be part of their, their story and their DNA. 
uh, John Cooper's own it from day one and know, use it as positive energy to kind of get you through the season. Um, I think it's personal sense that they don't want to be that team anymore. They think they want to shed that label of what happened last year. And the only way to do that is to win game one and win a series and then go into the second round and we won't be talking about Columbus Blue Jackets anymore. You know, um, I think what they did, which is really smart, was in training camp, they, they brought in a, in a motivational speaker, John Gordon, who has worked with University of Virginia basketball when they went from losing the number 16 seed the next year to win the national championship. He worked with Alabama football and Clemson football in terms of creating the right mindset for a team. And the only thing he told them was, don't defend your status as an elite team. Attack something, a new challenge going forward. Attack something new. So instead of looking back, and it's been the whole season thinking that way, they were kind of attacking and moving forward uh, with what they had. Um, you know, they weren't the champions. They don't need to defend anything. So they, they felt that way and they took it personally. And I think you started to see after November and December that you really, they were asking, getting asked questions about Columbus, but I don't think they really think that they really was in the back of their mind so much. Um, but I think it's right now it's more so of, you know, they have a chance to rewrite their own story now. They have a chance that they don't have to be a punchline anymore. They don't have to be the team that's, you know, people talk about is in, in trivia, back trivia cards or the, who's the team that, lost as President Trophy winners in four-game sweep. You know, they have a chance to advance the narrative this way, and they have the best team that they've had in a long time to do it. So um, with the catch coming up, there's no better time in the present for them to kind of, you know, sort of quote, avenge this and, and find a way into round two, which is where the narrative will definitely change into something else. I'll ask this to both of you, Joe and Porty. Is it personal for the coaches, do you think? Joe, you go first. Uh, I think it, it is in a sense that John Cooper – um, it's obviously a very confident coach. He's the longest tenure coach in the league. Um, the winningest coach in Tampa Bay history, he passed Tortorella on that like um, a year and a half ago, but he doesn't have the cup, right? He doesn't have what Tortorella has. And I think um, if you watch what happened in last year's series, I think Tortorella did uh, maybe do a better job uh, of finding ways in the matchups and, and getting the team through it all. So I don't know if, you know, hard to say, you know, if you would have a beer with John Cooper, maybe you might be able to say something more on this, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, he's, he's prideful and competitive and confident and um, a, a series like that will knock you off your pedestal a little bit. It'll humble you. And I think that's something that he learned from and, and there's nothing more I'm sure than he would like to have is, is find a way to knock out the team that knocked him out, uh, coach that knocked him out last year and get the team to the next level. Um, he's won at every level of his coaching career. Uh, USHL, AHL, and every year it's been the second year of his time there. We're on year, what is it, seven or eight now uh, with him, and he's had his chances, and I think this is something that really um, means a lot, of course, and whether it's Tortorella or whether it's AV or somebody else, it's, it's, uh, it's go time for these guys, and I think he realizes that. I think John Tortorella was um, – I think he feels as though there was not – a proper level of respect paid from the lightning to the blue jackets. I tried to get him going on it today um, because, you know, the, the blue, the blue jackets beating Toronto in the qualifying series has been billed an upset has been billed a choke job by Toronto. Columbus and Toronto had the same number of points this, this season. So that's a little, little strange. Yeah. I think Toronto, and, and maybe this is just how John Tortorella is wired. I don't know. Maybe Joe, you remember something about the handshake line that I don't. Um, he feels as though that Tor that Tampa series was dismissed. And he has said this on radio shows in Columbus, 
was dismissed as a fluke. And, and, I, and I do agree to a point where, where I don't think sweeping someone in four games is a fluke, but I do think it was an upset. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a stretch at all. Uh, but this is how John Tortorella is wired. And I'll be interested to see what kind of stuff comes up with that, what the handshake line might look like afterward. Um, Cause I do think, and I, and honestly, these games, Tampa and Columbus games, even before the playoffs last year, they've had some nasty games, um, really nasty oh, games yeah. where they kind of bring it out of them. And there was the, the great scene, I think it was at the end of game two in Tampa where it was yes. Riley Nash was sitting on the boards and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Allison, is Victor Hedman was standing in the neutral zone during a timeout or a stoppage. And he's and Pierre McGuire, I think, relayed this to the world. He's basically saying, you know, you guys are really good at blowing leads like this, like talking shit, which that, that happens. This is the pros, baby. Yeah. Um, but I still think, feel like there is a there is a sense with the Blue Jackets chip on their shoulder that they that they're still seen as as a newbie or um, a fluke, not a team that's really on Tampa's level. And, and we've we've already hit you with this, but is that? Do you get any sense of the vibe with that or with Tampa, or did? Did what happened last year change the Lightning's view of the Blue Jackets, both Tortorella and the team? Well, I think that narrative came out because of some of the press conferences during the playoffs last year, or in the first round last year, where, you know, and I think Cooper does this a lot, where he kind of, you know, he doesn't want to cause panic, or he's not one like Tortorella or says, we sucked and this and the other team was good, or he doesn't, he doesn't you know, kind of yeah. play yeah. to players yeah. after games or hit the panic button or whatever else until mm-hmm. he said what the – five alarm fire last year, didn't he? Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Um, but he was, a lot of it was billed as, Oh, we had a bad week or, you yeah. know, we had a lot that we could have done better or like, you know, it's, you know, you're not going to blow things up because you had one, you know, it's one of those things where like, Hey, like they might, might've been perceived the way it was sounded as though that they were saying, Oh, it was on us or if we would have played our, we would have been better than we would have won the series. And, um, I, I can tell you that that's not like an organizational thinking, you know, Julian Breezeball after the, the loss was very humble and contrite in what happened and was like, listen, they weren't, we weren't 20 points better than Columbus Blue Jacket, you know, um, deserved it. They earned it. They won like time for us to own it and move on, you know? So I think, you know, I wonder why Columbus is, is viewed that way and Carolina isn't, you know, as Carolina, you know, viewed as the, the upstart or a team that, that, yeah. you know, quote unquote, the newbie that, Every every series win is an upset, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I know they went to the conference final last year, but I was just wondering if that's, you know, as apples to apples or not. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Brinderborn is saying the same thing or not. If they beat Boston in a four or five matchup, is that going to be a big upset? You know. Um, so. Right. Um, they were Presidents Trophy champions, I guess, just like Lightning was last year. So I guess you could say that too. But um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting to see that even though we're now over Zoom and that we're in in press conference rooms and having those conversations. I'd be curious to see if there's any of that back and forth in the post game of reacting to games by both coaches in terms of how that the narrative of the shapes, whether it's lightning win game one or lightning lose game one. And all of a sudden the lightning fan base would be losing their minds. Um, so um, to kind of dissect when these things go, go forward, I think. Well, it's going to be fun. Joe, you're going to be with us along the way here. So uh, thanks for this. And we look forward to talking to you, talking to you as we, move along there's a story up in the on the uh 
website right now where Joe and I go back and forth with some of the big topics heading into this series. So you're hopefully listening to this on Tuesday morning before puck drop. Um, that would be some good pregame reading for you as well. Uh, Allison, anything else we need to get to? I think that's it. Here we go. All right, Joe, thanks so much, man. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks. Looking forward to our Zoom virtual videos this time, as opposed to the last time cramped in the, uh, the press box. So. <laughs> right. Hopefully right. it all. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work somehow. We'll make it work. Must see TV. So hopefully we'll get it done. Okay. But uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Looking forward to uh, working with you guys this series. And and I'm, I'm guessing and betting it'll be uh, a lot longer than the four-game one that was last year. So. Yeah, let's hope. Well, Joe, uh, thanks again. And folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you. There's a game on Thursday, so we're still sorting out how we're going to do this, but we'll most likely have a podcast up for you uh, during the day on Friday. So we do Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, We'll shoot to have one up Friday as early as possible uh, after the game on Thursday. So thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.